everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to broad street hockey radio that's right bsh radio my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of fun and games for the evening fam we have a jam-packed show for you with hot takes galore so let's just get right into it uh let's let's do the intros shall we uh let's let's switch it up this week leading off stephalicious d steph driver so i was talking to it was actually charlie over the weekend oh that's Um, a shame (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and he he was expressing f- um confusion about why people feel so strongly about Nolan Patrick after having only two seasons in Philadelphia which like is fair it's fair to under- to to have those feelings um and I just wanted to kind of explain why I'm so uh, ride or die for Nolan Patrick because I don't think that it's something I've actually articulated ever. So it all comes down to, and I actually tweeted about this, like it, it's it's one moment and one feeling. And that is when the Winnipeg Jets card got flipped over at the draft lottery instead of the Flyers picking at number 13. Like, do you guys remember that feeling? Yes. I remember getting all the texts from you guys because I didn't even know the draft lottery was happening. I was hanging out with a bunch of friends, and they were like, how don't you know this? Isn't this your job? (laughs) Yeah, I'm a professional. I hope someone still has the screenshot of the BSH Slack chat at the moment that happened because we were on our shit. Lost our fucking minds. (laughs) Lost Lost our minds. And it has everything to do with that feeling because at that point, it had just been – the roughest few years as a Flyers fan. And it was not, like, not looking up. Like, it was not going to go any better for the for the foreseeable future. And this was the only good thing that happened in, in like, the last 10 years for me as a Flyers fan. This is the highlight of my fandom in the last 10 years. It, it, it's all that moment. So it doesn't even necessarily matter that it was Nolan Patrick that was selected with that pick. Whoever was selected with that pick, like, I would die for them. And it just happened to be Nolan Patrick. All right. I just, uh, like, yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of a personal, I don't, you know, I don't have feelings about what he's going to be. I think anything we get out of him at this point is a little bit extra. I think he's going to become a good player. 
but I'm rooting for him as hard as I am. One, because he's a flyer, and two, like, that was the best night of my career. The night they, the actual night of the draft, I mean, shit. The whole yeah. place chanting Nolan Patrick, Keith Jones was on our show. All of it was so much goddamn fun that uh, I, I can't, you know, I equate all of that with Nolan Patrick more than he himself, the hockey player and human being. Yeah, and, and to be clear, like, I'm not anti-Nolan Patrick. I just, I, I find myself shocked a lot of times it's it's primarily a social media thing, but like I just find it I I find myself shocked a lot of times when I see just how many people like love this guy, and I just my view is like look I want to see him succeed I certainly want to see him get get through these uh these migraines that he's dealing with and get back to uh you know to playing hockey and seeing what he's ultimately going to be as a player, but it's just I just find it interesting that like I mean it, he's he has. At least, maybe not from a sheer volume standpoint, but at least from a, like, vocal standpoint, like, he has just as many, like, serious ride-or-die fans as I would say somebody like Travis Konechny, who, mm-hmm. like, is obviously so far in the NHL significantly more productive. Now, I suspect there are way more Travis Konechny fans than Nolan Patrick fans, but, like, if you're talking about people who are willing to scream to the heavens that they would die for Nolan Patrick, I think it's probably about the same amount, at least on social media, and I just find that fascinating because, truthfully, like, as a player, he's had one really good half season in his rookie year, and aside from that, he's been pretty meh. And I hope he's better than that. I think he will eventually be better than that. But I just find it interesting how many people really love the guy. And maybe it really does for a lot of people just boil down to that moment of get winning the draft lottery and just the positive feelings that uh, that stem from that. Yeah. And, like, here's the other thing. I would also die for Travis Konechny. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's not a whole lot of difference between the two of them for me other than their personalities. I would like uh, to know personally like what are the situations in which people are actually dying for these professional athletes (laughs) i don't know like are you like they need a heart like if nolan patrick needs a heart transplant are you pulling a john q and being like yes take mine well so here's the thing about uh medicine (laughs) they're not going to take a beating heart out of a healthy person uh yeah that's why you gotta find a gun and say i'll shoot myself for this guy like in john q i know steph doesn't movie yeah, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking Und- about. Underrated movie. I enjoyed it. It was decent. It was decent. From yeah, theathletic.com, so- Charlie oh, O'Connor. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't really have much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> truthfully, I God really damn it, don't. Charlie. How do you not uh, have strong feelings about things right now? Uh, one, one thing I will say, and I don't want this to, to take over the show, but eh. it, it would be nice if, like, there's no hockey. It would be nice if... Because there was no hockey, we also didn't have, like, all the bad things about hockey culture mm. coming up every two weeks. Like, it would be nice oh, It'd be nice if we could put a pause on that, too. But instead, we're not getting hockey, and then we're also getting every couple weeks somebody doing something bad or some story coming out that's bad. And I just—I wish that, like, if, if we don't have to deal with hockey, I wish that, like, hockey would also stop being bad. But clearly it can't. I would also like this. Like, it would be really, really cool if we just got a little bit of a break from hockey, like, the worst part of hockey. Yes, it would be great, but apparently not. Because because it's not even like the people who would normally get mad about hockey, myself included, like, this is not me being on a high horse, 
have anything else to focus on. Like, this is it. Only the bullshit. That's all I've got. And that's all I have to pay attention to. And it sucks. Yeah, like, I never thought I'd uh, I'd really want to be complaining about, like, who's on the fourth line right now. But that would be great. Oh, yeah. It would be no, fucking would awesome that. to be talking about the third defensive pair and how maybe Samuel Moran's healing up and he should be in there. Like, something stupid like that. Oh, there was an like update that. on Moran, did you see? No. Um, I, I believe he's been... He's he's still in Voorhees. He's been skating and working with Jim McCrossin for six weeks. See, there you go, he's, right there. That would be awesome if we were, you know, in the middle of a playoff run and we're only really using five defensemen. Hey, let's give the big motherfucker a shot. That would be a conversation I'd love Ooh. to be happy, having. Then I could yell about how that's a terrible idea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it would be awesome. Let's just pretend. We should do a pretend show. Yeah. Like that it's game like one. Kelly, I think Kelly it's, just hates every player that I personally like. It's like, game it's one of the Stanley now. Cup final, and we're doing – we should do it's that true. show. Next it's week, true. Fam, I have we're a, doing it. I have a list on my wall. It's like that list in um, – or uh, Billy, Billy Madison. Billy Madison? Yeah, it's a list like that of all the players that Steph likes, and then I have to I make sure that it. I hate them. Blue <laughs> days, black nights, <laughs> doo-wop, doo-day. <laughs> Did I even introduce you, Kelly? Whatever, I'm here. Canada's own Kelly Hinkle. <laughs> Ex-Patriot <laughs> Kelly Hinkle. Bought some more local strawberries today. So oh, I got nice. that going for me. Stay in your fucking house! <laughs> <laughs> yes. God damn it, woman. I'm thinking about having a party this weekend. You're about saying the supermarket like it isn't a hotbed of germs and humanity. It's the rich people's supermarket. Yeah, they're rich all immune, don't you know? Too. Probably more so. I think they gave all the rich people the vaccine already. It's the only oh, way definitely. that I can explain why Trump hasn't gotten it yet. Oh, they definitely have the vaccine. <laughs> That's without a doubt. We've entered conspiracy theory hour on BSH yeah. Radio. Hot damn. Let's get into this. Let's talk Already. about Trump for the next 60 minutes, guys. Let's see what <laughs> I'd happens. I'd rather please, die. Please, no. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we think? Uh, no, so uh, on, on Broad Street Hockey this week, I found... Just one of our most problematic and troubling articles ever ever published on on my my website. Um, we ranked the cheesesteaks. Your, your website? Yeah, I you know the one I write for so much. Um, it, it's maybe the most problematic thing we've ever published, and I, I point right at you, Steph, as our as our whatever you are manager of some kind. Um, we ranked the cheesesteaks. Well, Jay Polinsky ranked the cheesesteaks. And Pats and Geno's finished tied for 16th. Well, they're bad, so. No, they're exactly the same as every other cheesesteak. It's just trendy to say they're no. bad. That's it. In fact, Pats is actually very good if you've been there recently. But So, no. I, I just assume that you eat straight garbage right out of a dumpster <laughs> and that that has... That has nuked your taste buds and, is, and your just general taste for food. There is no different. It's slop meat with slop cheese on a roll with onions that have been sitting there for as long as they can sit there until someone else orders onions. That's no, it. That's, no, that's a silly cheesesteak. It's no, not that's supposed those, to be fancy. That's how those two are. That's how those two are. That's how those they all are, are. Gross meat and old onions, but some of them are actually good. Uh, like Woodrow's is awesome. That's a gourmet sandwich. It is not a Philadelphia cheesesteak. Yeah, I, I actually, 
That's an I, outlier. I, I strongly agree with that point, Bill. Like that, I it actually annoys me how many people stand hard for Woodrow's because it's not a fucking cheesesteak. No. Like if, you, if you have truffle cheese on a cheesesteak, it's no longer a cheesesteak. It's a delicious like it's, sandwich. It, yeah, it's very good. It's not a goddamn cheesesteak. A cheesesteak has to be shitty. That's the point of a cheesesteak. No, but What's the good the ones aren't shitty. Is it like, like, is, is, is Barclay Prime Street. is not a cheesesteak. No, but What's like the... John's roast pork isn't a shitty sandwich. There's nothing shitty about it. The meat's fresh. The rolls are good. They mix the cheese in well. Like all of it's perfect. If yeah, you're but... going to John's roast pork and not getting a roast pork, you fucked up. No, no, no you, I, first I, of I all, just, the move I is strongly disagree with that. Actually, Wait, <laughs> and, and Kelly, to, to clarify, when I when I say shitty, I don't mean like it tastes like shit. I mean that it's made in a way that makes it clear that like this is a thing that you are going to strongly regret in two hours that you ate because it's greasy and it's wonderful like That's fair. if you if you're putting truffle oil in your cheese i'm sorry it's no longer shitty then we're talking about something that like you would actually order in a sit-down menu and that's not a cheesesteak in my mind. It's an entirely separate category. That's John's, fair. Ro John's roast pork is great. John's roast pork cheesesteak is fantastic. But it's still, in my mind, I think of that as a cheesesteak. Because yeah. that's something that, like, I can walk up to whatever and, and order and it'll be all wrapped up and greasy and crappy. And that's amazing. That's what I want in a cheesesteak. Like, the idea that the Barclay Prime $1,000 cheesesteak is a cheesesteak? No, it's not a cheesesteak. It's not a cheesesteak. It's $100, thank you. Okay, whatever. No, that's a signal to the valet to uh, rob that person. That's what that thing is. Hey, they just spent $100 on a cheesesteak. Let's uh, go through all the shit in their car. That's what I'd say. So, Bill, I will agree with you on one thing. I, I concur that Pat's is not bad. I think I think Geno's sucks. I think Pat's kind of gets dragged down by association with Geno's because they're in the same spot. I wouldn't put Pat's like in like my top five, but I think it's a perfectly fine cheesesteak. I do Here's think Ge thing. I do think Geno's tastes like plastic though. I, I just think it's too much cheese on the Geno's. Not enough meat, too much cheese. Uh, you gotta Who get. Who the fuck has ever had that opinion on a cheesesteak? Too much cheese. I want a good like meat to garbage, cheese ratio. Garbage takes. All around from Bill Max. I want a meat. God damn. I want a meat to cheese ratio. Like Oregon steaks, excellent steak, didn't make the list, and I think that's okay because it's not enough meat on there. Some awesome sandwiches at Oregon steaks, but I want a Philly cheesesteak in basically one situation. I am stumbling home from the bar, and I see <laughs> I see the fucking place and go, that's what I want to put in my belly on top of 14 beers. One of them. <laughs> and Pat exactly. is the perfect place to do it. I, I, if I have to I, go inside, you're already out. If I can't get fries, you're eliminated. You, that one place on South Street that you can't get fries, I don't care if they're serving goddamn prime rib. It sucks because yeah. I can't get fries. And, and I, I'm with you there in the sense that, like, again, this is why I don't consider Woodrow's a cheesesteak because, like, I'm not getting a cheesesteak with truffle after I'm out drinking. I'm not doing it. It just I doesn't would. feel right. I totally would. I would if I, I could. Would drink the Can't cheese. say I haven't done it. I'm just saying, yeah, it's not a great idea. <laughs> Their fries are actually quite good, too. Yeah, I do like the fries. Real good. But, yeah, all cheesesteaks are exactly the same. The best one is at Pat's. Jay Poozle, you're fucking up. I mean, that's uh, that's objectively at, wrong. But. At Philadelphia One. Objectively with wrong. With your complaints. It's just trendy to not like Pat's. That's it. It's cool to not like Pat's. It's not, though. Like, it's not. The cool thing to do is be like, yeah, any pizza place can make a good cheesesteak, which oh. it can. Oh. When this article came out, 
I ordered a cheesesteak from a pizza place and it was delivered to my house and it was fucking delicious. Oh, most of the cheesesteaks that you get from pizza shops in Jersey are better than like the Philly steak places. Mm-hmm. The best cheesesteak ever was made at Bomb Bomb Sandwich Factory in Glassboro before it closed because uh, the cook, Young Steaks, uh, was just such a master. Young Steaks? I was Young Steaks. <laughs> of course you were, Bill. I would never, with all of these garbage opinions, I would never trust you to cook any food for me ever. Oh, I cook awesome food when it's for me. I don't believe that. Well, you've got a garbage palate, literally eating trash out of a dumpster. Like, not even normal trash, but the stuff at the bottom that's liquefied. No, that's I'd only li- eat trash off the top of a dumpster. No, no, no. Bottom, bottom trash juice is what you eat because that's how your food opinions sound to me. Bottom trash juice. There's a... Bill was a professional pizza maker, maker and a professional cheesesteak maker, so I feel like I would let him cook food for me for sure. I've asked him so many times what the spice mix is on the top of Pizza Hut breadsticks, and he can't tell me, so... It comes out of a baggie! I don't know. I go, I say, <laughs> hey, other person cooking, go get me some of the breadsticks shit, and they go and get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Professional chef, Bill Max. Yeah, all right. So uh, it sounds like hockey is... Yeah, we're going to do this today, fam. Uh, <laughs> thanks for hanging with us for the first half of the show. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it sounds like hockey's going to come back in some way or another. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not paying attention at all until it's back. One day I'm going to wake up and you guys are going to be like, hey, Bill, there's a Flyers game tonight. You might want to, uh, you know, do a post game or something. And I'll say, hip, hip, hooray. Got to sober up and go to work. Um, but this, this 24 team return to play, uh, there's, it sounds like they're going to do it in two hubs maybe. Uh, there's going to be some sort of games before the playoffs actually start. Wh- what are we hearing? What do we think this is going to look like? Do we think it's actually going to happen, or it's just some bullshit they're throwing at us so people keep paying attention? What uh, what are we thinking here? So I've been saying from the beginning that Gary Bettman is going to be the first of these idiots to bring a sport back, and it seems like that's tracking. Um, I, I just can't. I've never been able to get around the fact that the allure of being the only sport playing is is not going to appeal highly to Gary Bettman uh, more than any of the other commissioners because hockey is so niche. Like to have it being the only sport that's playing, even if it's just for a week, like that's just going to be so appealing. Um, you know, whether it's a good idea or not, seems like it's not a good idea at all, but. This is where we are. Like, sports were always going to come back, and now they, they seem to be coming back a little bit sooner than anticipated. I have a lot of trouble really believing that it's going to happen because this is the same level of, like, hyped-up conversation that surrounded the early draft, and that just died into nothing. So, like, I don't know why I wouldn't believe this is going to die into nothing, too. I think that this is different because... The GMs, like, absolutely hated that idea. Like, all of the teams, it was only Gary that was like, oh, yeah, we should do the draft early. And everybody else was like, you are a fucking moron. (laughs) It's kind of (laughs) true. Whereas now it's like, okay, well, the teams are are really strapped for cash. And there's there's no money coming in. There's no cash flow. 
So everyone's going to be a little bit more lenient. And as we've been saying for years, these they don't consider the ownership doesn't consider players actually people. They consider them obviously not revenue generators. So who cares if they get sick as long as the owners are making money? Well, okay. There's there's a couple points I want to make here. The first point is is that like I know we're talking about this like it's you know like it's going to happen soon. The hard truth is is that. Right now, it's the 20th of May. The soonest, realistically, they would get back started, I feel like, would be around mid-July. And that's, like, the absolute soonest. I mean, I think they're they're legitimately preparing for the idea of, if they get back started, this going until, like, September. So it very well could not get started until August. It's just that for, for that to even be possible, you need to start getting the ball rolling on what your plan is so then you can map out, you know, the roadmap to getting back to hockey. So, like... If they do get started, it's not like they're going to snap their fingers and we're going to have hockey again in a couple weeks. Like, this is going to take a while. Number two, you know, this is going to be a back and forth between the owners and the players. And you're seeing it happen in baseball. Like, baseball, truthfully, baseball probably should be the first to come back because, number one, all the games are outside. We know know for a fact the transmission of this is less... Like, it's not as bad outdoors as it is indoors. So that's number one. Number two, baseball is just a less physical sport in general in terms of, like, how often these guys are going to be close together. Like, there's a reason why the Korean Baseball League's back, and it's not just because South Korea did a really good job of containing this. It's because the players can sit apart and things like that, and they can minimize contact and whatnot, and social distancing is easier to enforce. But the fact is, is that, like, baseball is having trouble getting started because the players and the owners can't come to a financial agreement on how they're going to share revenue, if they're going to share revenue, how this is going to work. So for the sport to come back, for hockey to come back, the players and the owners are going to have to come to some sort of agreement. And if the players as a whole decide they don't want to play, they don't feel comfortable playing, they don't feel safe playing, then they won't play. It's just that... I think the players are just as incentivized to want to bring this back in some way as the owners. Maybe not maybe not as incentivized, but pretty damn close because of the whole escrow thing and because of the fact that like this is money that they're not going to get if the entire season gets canceled. So it's I don't think it's quite fair to say like well the owners just don't care about the players because they're not going to bring the league back unless the players rubber stamp this. And I definitely get the impression that most of the players, not all, but most of the players want to come back too. And there's also the uh the benefit of the like in a year or two the TV contract is up. If they have real big numbers, that's awesome for the NHL. Like they need a big TV contract, because when all this went down, I said the team, the league least likely to come back in my mind with empty arenas is hockey, because it's the one sport that still depends on gate over TV money, but long-term outlook, they want a bigger TV contract, and if they have awesome ratings, because like Steph said, they're one of a few things on TV that's live, even though, yeah, I think baseball's going to come back way before hockey, um... It, it can only help their chances of getting a better TV deal than the one, you know, that had them on the Outdoor Life Network. Yeah, if they get back on TV, people are going to watch. Like, over the weekend, Twitter was abuzz with people watching the German Soccer League because it was live sports. Anybody been watching Korean baseball? Too late at night for me. Yeah, it's on too late. Some people <laughs> I know are, but I, I could never. Yeah, I've got, we've got friends 
a friend of the show, Stephen, the Grey King, um, has readjusted his entire sleep schedule to wake up early enough to catch the late game in in South Korea, which is amazing. I turned it on the other day, saw former Philly Aaron Altair had the lowest batting average on his team and was like, you know what? I'm good on this. (laughs) Ouch. Yeah, don't, don't, don't want to relive those days. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting, uh, you know, if they can get this going. As I said, I, we're probably looking at, like, mid-July, early August, realistically, because they still got to get all these guys, you know, back in some sort of, you know, area where they can train. A lot of these guys aren't skating. Like, we talked to we talked to JVR today, uh, the, the Philly local media did on a conference call, and apparently the only two players that he knows of on the team that are skating regularly are Ivan Provorov because he's in Brooksbury, and he's, he's Ivan Provorov. Uh, he found, like, the one place in Pennsylvania where he can skate because he's such a workout freak. Um, and then Robert Haig apparently is back in Sweden. Apparently they have because Sweden is, like, not as stringent as most other countries. Yeah, they so have, like, no rules over there. Yeah, apparently he's they, they're they're just trusting their people basically to, yeah. to social distance. But um, that's smart. But 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 apparently he's uh, he's skating. Aside from those two, no one is skating. So you're gonna have to get these guys back on the ice somehow, and then you're presumably gonna have to get them together in a group somehow. You know, in the same region, so they can practice and regain some semblance of chemistry. And you're gonna have to do this for. 31 or 24 teams if you're only going to have 24 of them come back and then you're going to have to hope that none of those guys get sick because then you'd presumably have to quarantine everybody again so there's a lot of hoops they're going to have to go through at the same time they want they want to get this back going and i i I know i understand why they want to get it back going and they want to give it a shot and i guess we're just going to have to see like it's it's everything is very much in it's very much in a wait and see mode because number one, we don't even know what the country is going to be like. You know, it, it, as I said, the soonest is probably going to get back going is July. What if by mid June there's another enormous outbreak in the United States because us opening back up proved to be really stupid? Then is there any way the NHL can get back going? Probably not. It's it's so there's so much still out there. I don't blame the NHL for for planning. I don't blame the NHL for contingencies. I don't blame the NHL for trying to figure out ways that this could theoretically work. But when you're looking two months out as to when this would actually get started, there's just so much that could happen in the next two months that make this impossible. That I mean, I feel like probably the the safe money is on that they won't get back started, but. If you want to turn that chance into anything greater than zero, you have to be doing the things they're doing right now, which are all these plans and contingencies and and ideas that they're bouncing back and forth between the players and the owners. God, I really hope they get back. (laughs) I miss hockey. I I have seen... Oh, go ahead, Steph. Captain Claude Giroux rollerblading with a stroller. So those are not the only two that are skating. Thank you very much. Steph, I was just going to say, like, I'm picturing, like, uh, Kevin Hayes rollerblading in the town. And it's, like, Mighty Ducks 2. He's got, like, the duck whistle, and he's calling in all the guys. (laughs) The quack attack is back, Travis Konechny jumps out his window on rollerblades, and Nolan Patrick is like, hold on, and he's on a skateboard. Like, that's what I'm picturing. Nolan Patrick also rollerblading. He looks like a rollerblade. I've seen him rollerblading. They're all rollerblading. Okay, so so serious serious point there, though. Um, One thing that every player 
that I've talked to has made clear is that even rollerblading, it's impossible to replicate the, oh, the, sure. the, the idea of skating on ice. My like, God. Yeah, I mean, I... it helps to a degree, but, like, for people who haven't played hockey and, and people who have certainly haven't played hockey at, like, an extremely high level, like, these players are like, it's going to take us two weeks to get our skating legs back once we hit the ice because, like, you just can't replicate it. It's impossible. Oh, God. Oh, God, yeah. Like, I was mostly joking. I mean, they are rollerblading. <laughs> yeah. But you I, can't... Played, I played in this roller hockey men's league like, after a lifetime of playing ice hockey, it was, like, middle of college. I played in this roller hockey men's league. I was the worst skater. Like, couldn't do it. They're, <laughs> they're not similar. Like, it's very different. I felt like like a kid who did never played before. It was so fucking weird. But, yeah, it's... it's. I it's, mean, imagine, try, imagine, like, you can't even get your edges on rollerblades. Like, it's just not... It's just not possible. Rollerblading's hard. I think... Ice skating's easier. Oh, much personally. easier. Yeah. I agree with that, yeah. I don't really have feelings either way. I think that they both are pretty easy, but they're just not the same. Mm-mm. They're not the same. So on uh, on that website that Charlie writes for, known as theathletic.com this week, uh, a guy named Down Goes Brown, Sean McIndoe, uh, wrote an article. Uh, friend of the show. Friend of yeah, the friend show. of the show. He wrote an article. <laughs> is everybody a friend of the show? I mean, obviously yes. not everybody. Not everybody. Everyone <laughs> I mentioned that is like. a friend of the show. Yeah. Uh, he wrote I mean, an he's article. He's been on the show before. Was he? He, he did was a on Kelly's show. Oh, of right, right, right. He did a couple of I was of like, I don't think yeah. I ever talked to him. So he wrote an article about how the, uh, the return to action could benefit each team individually. And when he got to the Flyers... He talked about the condensed schedule that the Flyers were going to play, that the whole league is probably going to play if they're going to get this thing in, probably just a single day between games. And honestly, my first thought was, well, they've been playing a condensed schedule for about five years, so they're fucking used to it. Uh, but he brought up something from this year. The Flyers went 24-7-1 and in games after a single day of rest. Uh, a condensed schedule without multi-day breaks could really play into their strengths. And how many times over the last few years have we gone, oh, well, they're hot and now they have a week off, so obviously they're going to come back and suck. And a condensed schedule could really play into the Flyers' hands here. I guess that's something to look forward to. I am on record saying I don't want to win the cup in a year I can't celebrate properly, but goddamn, do I miss this team. I'm on record calling you an idiot for not wanting to win the cup this year because i think that that is the the most asinine thing i've ever heard in my life and i'm i'm still listening to the shows that i wasn't on and that's when you first started talking about this nonsense and i got mad all over again i think it's the dumbest thing i've ever heard i don't want to win the cup because reasons dumbest shit um because it's like winning an, an xfl trophy like oh cool we won but not really no absolutely not um, but I never really thought about the Flyers having an insane schedule as a, a, a strength. So that's cool. This entire time that we've been complaining about the schedule, it has all led to this. We, we've been preparing yes. our whole lives for this moment. You just this is like it. all the survivalists right now who are like, ha, you don't have toilet paper or canned food? <laughs> oh god oh god anyway, so so a, a point i'll make here about this is that i think the flyers truthfully and i understand you know why dgb 
picked something for everybody because obviously you gotta you have your article, you have your theme, you're Engage gonna roll with every it. fan base. Yeah, it makes sense. I think the Flyers are gonna get hurt by this a lot, like it, just because they were rolling. Like they yeah. they were they were clicking, they were firing on all cylinders. They had the system down. They were just they were kind of in that sort of like. You know, it's impossible to quantify, but they just kind of had the magic happening. Everything was was rolling for them, and I just think it's going to be really hard for them to replicate that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after being being paused for, you know, what they were paused in March. I said that you know as soon as they probably get back going is July, so we're talking four months, maybe five, before they really get back going and get put back playing again. I think it's going to hurt them a lot. That said, I, I do think. I do think Sean like hits on one thing that could help them. And it's not, it, it, it plays into sort of what he's saying, but it's not exactly what he's saying. The Flyers are a very deep team. And I think that's part of the reason why they played so well on a single day of resting in Paris and the rest of the league, because they could, they could spread out their shifts more. The players weren't as tired as most teams are because they weren't, you know, given 27 minutes a night they weren't super leaning on their stars they were really rolling four lines and 3d pairs so that could help them in addition like one thing that a lot of former players have brought up i think chris terry brought it up a couple times on twitter and it's a totally reasonable concern is that the way that this is going to be set up forcing these guys not forcing these guys but getting these guys to come back after a long layoff and not having practice not having skated and whatnot and throwing them back in it's probably going to be a higher likelihood of injury. And presumably, yeah. the deeper teams are going to have an advantage there because if they lose, if the Flyers lose one of their top six forwards, they can slide James Van Reeves like into the top six. Whereas, like, if the Penguins lose one of their top six forwards, it's a bigger deal, even though they're probably going to hurt the, the Penguins because Mark Doc's it's, getting it's, the it's, call well, up. <laughs> it's probably going to help the Penguins because they're going to get all their guys back that were injured. So that another thing that hurts the Flyers, um, you know, they'll have to deal with Jake Gensel again and all that shit. But I do think in theory, the fact the Flyers are a deep team, both in terms of their NHL players and in terms of organizationally, they can call up guys who were viable NHL players, you know, from the minors that played this year in the event of injuries that could help them. Now, is it help them enough to outweigh the fact that they lost kind of their mojo from being paused for four months? No, I don't think so, but it is probably something in their favor. So the thing about the mojo is that like, it's not a real thing. So they could presumably after maybe four or five games, have it all back again? Maybe. I just don't think, I don't think they were, and I'm very much a, a, a supporter of the, the Flyers are actually good thing. I don't think the Flyers were that good. Like, true talent-wise, yeah. I don't think they were, I don't think they were, like, a top five team in the NHL true talent-wise. I think they were probably top ten. But they were playing, like, one of the three best teams in hockey going into this pause. And I don't think they were that good. And those are the types of things. You, I think to win in the playoffs, you have to be playing over your head a little bit. And the Flyers were playing over their head. And I just don't know if they'll be able to replicate playing over their heads after a four-month pause. I hope they will, but I don't know if they will. Yeah, I think they're going to play better, Charlie. I think that I mean, Kevin spirit. Hayes still exists, and he is the team's mojo. So. Kevin Hayes is just getting stronger and stronger. <laughs> like he's just sitting at home, plugged in, and he's like, "Yes, he's absorbing some sort of energy through I don't know the techno internet music he's listening he's, to it, by himself it, on the internet." Konechny got to spend some time fishing and hunting and stuff. Like that's his superpower. <laughs> every, every time Kevin Hayes checks the group chat. 
he gets a little bit stronger and he's <laughs> checked it he's checked it about like 500 times per day hoping someone else responds <laughs> he's he's the spy who shagged me he's the mojo right there it's him like we're gonna be fine all he's right guys here he's not going anywhere i have no idea how long we've been recording because i'm on garage band and it's going by seconds instead of minutes so we're just gonna take a little break right now uh it seems like a proper proper time uh and we'll be back on the other side with some uh with some fun stuff so uh keep listening the commercial isn't the end it's just a commercial all right, everybody, and we are back. It is, uh, it's time for, I don't know, everybody's favorite segment? It's called yes. Expose Yourself, and you don't want us exposing ourselves. I forgot, sure? to, I forgot to bring up the, uh, the clip the again. <laughs> Maybe next time. Someday. <laughs> Maybe next time. Uh, so we got, we got a request on, uh, on Twitter, actually last week, for... Uh, for expose yourself from friend of the pod at aunt dad on Twitter. Uh, it's, that's one of those ones that's really hard. Like I can't back up, uh, like syllables with the same, like aunt and then dad. I want to say like aunt God, like I can't, it's so difficult. Aunt God. Love it. That's, that's what right. I really mispronounce shit. When the same like vowel syllable is back to back. You are that's a when treasure. It gets tough for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's such like a Philly South Jersey thing. I love oh, it. it's I can't like it, I can control it sometimes, but th- it just runs wild there. <laughs> uh, so we Stunning. got the request, and we're gonna look back at uh, what the hell is it? Broad Street Hockey Radio number two thirty two from November sixth, twenty nineteen, and I asked a uh, I asked a question: Which of the first fourteen games? This will be fun to try to remember. <laughs> Which of the first 14 games is the real Flyers? Which one best represented the real Flyers? And we looked at every game, and everybody kind of gave their answer. So we're going to start with that one. Uh, so if you want to, go check out BSH Radio, number 232 from November 6th. Listen to what we had to say. We're going to recap it here. Uh, Kelly, why don't you run us through this part, and then we'll do the ideal fourth line after that. All right, so... All of us picked a different game, which is fun. Um, I went with the first game uh, against Chicago, the 4-3 win over Chicago, because my reasoning was because it was up and down. The Flyers played well, but they didn't dramatically outplay the Blackhawks. And they won the game because they're actually good. So that was my reasoning, and I stick with that. Steph went with the 7-4 win over the Columbus Blue Jackets, which was a wild game. And her reasoning was that it was an insane game. The wheels fell off of the Flyers, and they looked like shit, but they figured it out in the third and pulled out a win, which is kind of, like, on brand for this year's Flyers. I stick by it. Yeah. That was a good game for me to pick. I, I distinctly remember this podcast and deciding that that was the Flyers' team spirit. I mean, it, and it and kind I don't of remember was. shit ever. <laughs> Charlie picked the 4-3 to three shootout win over New Jersey, his reasoning being the Flyers are good, not great. Carter Hart was good, not great. It was a win they had to grind out, but they beat a team that they are demonstrably better than, which is also... We were all kind of extremely on this, I think. I think all of our reasoning so far kind of hold up for this year's Flyers. And then Bill went with the most recent game that they had played <laughs> on this, for this show, which was the 4-1 win over Carolina. 
Because the Flyers got outplayed through 40 minutes, but the equalizer was Carter Hart, and he didn't let the bad start drag the Flyers down, and they came back and dominated the third. So that kind of goes along with what Steph was saying about them being able to come back and win games that they should be losing, which I think they did a lot of this season. Yeah, and yeah, even – it's Sorry, go ahead, go ahead Bill. <laughs> Somebody talk! All right. No, that's uh, – <laughs> like, they – for years, the Flyers have had bad starts – and whether they come back from them or not, it was it was a hallmark of the team. I think both Kel- or both Steph and I kind of hit on that. Like maybe this is just who the team is, but now they have the goaltending and they're good enough to to really bounce back from it, and they're able to outplay teams for stretches. And in those stretches, they can be dominant and win. And that's what we saw in those two games. But I was gonna ask, like, what do we think now? Like, you can look at any game or just what do you think the identity of this team is? But I really think we all kind of hit on what we think this team is. I think think they're a little better than we were giving them credit for at the time. Like, yeah, they're good, not great, but I'd do better than good. I'd say they're, like, pretty damn good, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Something like that. But like Charlie was saying, they were playing great, but are they great? I'm not sure yet. That You you usually don't find that out until the playoffs. Um, Does anyone want to amend their assessment of that – or bring up a game that has happened since the first 14 that you think demonstrates who this team is. Well, I'm just going to stick with the first 14 because, yeah. quite frankly, like I I would have to go through every single game. Who can um, remember? We have time. Yeah, well, I just – I mean, I didn't prepare for that for this show. <laughs> I, I know, Charlie. Um, you know, the, the Steph one kind of works for me because I guess what I'm looking at it is like how the season went for the Flyers. And I feel like – that game's interesting because they played so well in the third period and it kind of matches up to how well they played in the second half. That like they kind of were, you know, a little bit of a mess in the first half. They weren't terrible, they weren't all they weren't great. They were just somewhere in the middle and it was kind of a dumpster fire in some ways and then they just started dominating teams. So that one kind of works because of the incredible third period they had. I think you could also if you want to take the really optimistic route you could also say that 6-2 win over the over the Golden Knights because mm-hmm. that was just the game where you you start thinking to yourself, wait, are, are these guys, like, really good? Because this team they're playing is really good, and they're kicking the crap out of them. <laughs> like, maybe the Flyers are actually good, and it turned out they were actually good. So I think you can make a case for that one, too, just because it's, like, slowly coming to terms with the fact that, wait, the Flyers aren't bad anymore. <laughs> And And it is, it is like a whole seven step process to get there. Like, wait, they are good. Are you sure they're good? But are they? They look good. (laughs) And that like, and I think that, (laughs) yeah, no. And I think that Vegas game and then later, uh, later in the season when they started really rolling and uh, they beat Colorado in Philly and they kind of kicked the shit out of them. Like they had their ups and downs this season. But when they play good teams, they generally look good. Like, they beat Washington a couple times. Uh, They just looked like a good team against good teams. And, you know, they beat Boston a couple of times, even though the last game they, you know, lose to them uh, before the break and everything. They still beat them twice. Like, uh, when they played good teams, they generally looked pretty good. And, you know, in the playoffs, you play good teams. So it's it's something to be optimistic about, I suppose. That's true. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, like I said before, when Kelly was explaining where we all felt, like, I do think about my take often. Like, there's not a lot that I say that on this podcast that I remember, but this is it. And I think back, like, did I fuck up? Was I right? Who's going to tell me that I fucked up? Which is really how my thought process goes whenever I, I look back on things that I've said on the show. But I really do think that that's pretty spot on. Like, I think that I picked a good game and I, uh, go ahead at me if you disagree, but I, I, th- I think that it's, it, it's a pretty good representation of how the season went. And it's a pretty, like, it's good because, like, they fall behind and you're like, oh, well, throw this one away. And then the final score, like, they win by three. Like, yeah, they actually, like, if they had look, seven goals. Yeah, when you just look at the box score, you go, oh, they killed them. And then it's like, oh, no, they were down like three or four goals. And then they figured it all out. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, it's, I just – I think that's fun. I thought that was a fun topic, and we were asked to, we were asked to do that one. Uh, I also asked on the show, apparently, what our ideal fourth line was, and I just like that me and Charlie both had NAK on it, and it was like, well, we don't think that's going to happen because the organization isn't really giving him a shot. And then, of course, he gets a shot, and it turns out, yeah, he is the ideal fourth liner. Nailed it. Yeah, that was good. Hooray for I gave us. no answer to that question, which was infuriating for me when I was listening again. I was like, what the fuck? You didn't say anything, you idiot. You gave hedge no answer. Bets. Always hedge your bets. That's what I say. <laughs> so, uh, Rotten Picklick. 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 I mean, that's not bad. That's not a bad fourth line. No, it's good. No, it's, that's fine, yeah. I mean, you know, if, if everyone's healthy all year, that's a great fourth line, Rafa mm-hmm. Lawton Pitlick. That's probably how it would have shook out eventually. Uh, so, oh, here it is. Emily Kaplan of ESPN.com wrote a piece, um, and I found it very interesting because it was something for every team again, but it was about the fan bases, and it was something every fan base just needs to get over or won't get over. And, like, like for Montreal, it's the Zdeno Chara hit that, like, you know, their police investigated. Shit like that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> But when she got to the Flyers, it bothered me a little because she one, out. like we're so fucking petty <laughs> that there are so many things that we have to get over. Mm-hmm. And Kaplan arrived on goaltending. No, and it's like it's always goaltending for Philadelphia. It's uh, one thing's fan gripe about the most, and for good reason. Well, right there, when you say "and for good reason," this isn't a fan gripe. No, this, this is an organizational failure that has kept them from being as good as they should have been for basically the last fifty years. <laughs> it's not our problem; it's the organization's. And it like we have so many things we need to get over. So I just many. figured, uh, like. Uh, why don't we talk about those actual things that we could probably get over? Uh, and I'm going to so tell ma- you right now, you can tell me all you want. I need to get over uh, my hate for the Senators and Marty Havlat. It ain't happening, so we're going to move on. <laughs> I got so mad when I was reading this article because that's such a non-answer. Like, a thing that you get over is, like, the Montreal thing that you just talked about. That's yeah. a thing that you get over. Like, bad goaltending for the last 35 years isn't a thing that you get over. It's a non-answer. And it pissed me off because, like, all she had to do was, like, at 10 Flyers fans, and she would have gotten a list of 50 actual events that she could have used in this article. 
rather than just some bullshit amorphous subject that is absolutely not a good answer for that question. Like, if you wanted to be super easy about it, just put the fucking Kane goal. Like, Michael Layton not making that save or Jeff Carter missing high and wide. Like, there's just from that game, there's like 15 things that you could pick. Yeah, and you can tie goaltending in. You know, if you want to bring up goaltending because it's the Flyers, obviously all we talk about is goaltending. Actually state that. But, you know, whatever. whatever. ESPN. ESPN actually has pretty good hockey coverage online. I'm not going to disparage Emily Kaplan or Wish or any of the people who write for their website, but this one annoyed me. Um, So what do you think it is we have to get over as a fan base? So I put a bunch down here. Yeah, you put a bunch. Um, Pick one. Okay. Well, no, I'm I'm not just picking one. The the okay. one that I actually do believe people <laughs> need to get over. He's not picking one because there are so many. Yeah, There's so many. But the one I actually do believe people need to get over, and yes, this is a subtweet of like significant portions of my athletic comment section. People need to get over their like actual hatred of Paul Holmgren. Yeah. They they. <laughs> If there's a section of the fan base that thinks he's like brain dead and like he got, he, they can't get over the fact that he was promoted, even though he really wasn't promoted. He was moved to an entirely different position in the organization where he didn't have pretty much any input on hockey affairs. Like, let's be realistic here. People that were GMs would ideally want to build a team and not be dealing with business ops. So it wasn't really a promotion. But there's a lot of people that like just want him fired because they feel like he wasn't punished enough for the bad decisions that he made at the end of his tenure. And I agree, the end of his tenure was bad. But the idea that like he was just this awful GM from start to finish was never true. The first half of his tenure as general manager after he took over for Clark was quite good. They came within two games of winning a Stanley Cup with the team that he built. Like, yes, he did a poor job of trying to replace Chris Pronger after the Pronger after the Pronger injury happened. But most of his tenure was pretty good, and it was a lot of fun. Like, I just Flyers fans need to get over their utter hatred of Paul Holmgren. No, that's a good one because the first half of his tenure, we're like, this guy's a fucking genius. How was he under Clark this whole time? Like, Clarky's been the one screwing up the organization. This guy should have been running it since like '96, and then it's like, oh man, no, he's he's a moron. Like, yeah, the the second half obviously bad. But it was bad because he was chasing getting back to the level he built them to after a 60-loss season. In one year, he went from losing 60 games to the Eastern Conference Final. That happened. And, and like, he should, like, he needed to go. Yes! When he, when he left, he needed to go. That is completely reasonable. I just think that they've there's a contingent of the fan base that has whitewashed the fact that the first— four or five years of his tenure, Paul Holmgren was objectively a good general manager. You're not wrong, And people, people just hate the idea of how the Flyers don't, like you said, they don't, like, get punitive damages out of these guys. <laughs> 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 they think Paul Holmgren should, like, have his wallet taken on the way out of the building. He should and be sent like, to they, Labrador. Yeah, they, they want they want him like they want him like in a stockade from the mid, the, the medieval times where <laughs> like, they could like throw eggs they move, at. Him. They move his office and give him some other position, and they're like, oh well, now he's gonna be making even more decisions. Like, yeah, he's gonna 
He's going to decide what happens to the Kate Smith statue. <laughs> oh, no. I know. There's I didn't something even bring it get up, over. But... Get over the fucking Kate Smith statue, you weirdos. Yeah, that's we didn't even we didn't even put that on here. And that's a good one. Yeah, get over it, because I have news for you. It was never good luck. We never won. It wasn't good luck. Get the fuck over it. Yeah, it was good luck in, you know, the 70s, but it's no longer the 70s. We went 40 they years of won that a cup song, in 45 and they haven't won. Yeah, I regret to inform you, the luck was not there. Steph's just like, oh, no, this is it. <laughs> this is our last episode. Oh, I don't give a shit. I, I think that the whole clinging on to the legend of Kate Smith is fucking stupid. It's a and weird thing like, to latch on to. For everyone who's like, they need to get into the future. For how long did we hear, like, the Flyers need to let go of their past. They need to stop with all the alumni nights and everything. Like, who gives a shit about alumni nights? I know this is something for you to complain about, but no one actually cares, man. It's just Not a, a fun single night. person. But, like... I just, like, the first thing on Charlie's list here is Dave Haxtall. We need to cleanse ourselves and get over some things, like... And Dave Haxtell is number one on that list. I will not. I refuse. Uh, <laughs> I flat out fucking refuse. I will not get over the torture that I went through because of Dave Haxtell. I will not get over it. I'll tell you I'm how you get over it. it. I'm this is over how it. this is how I have not so much gotten over Dave Haxtell. Like I won't start saying his tenure was good. Oh no. But I will say that he was the false prophet that like he was the big mistake we made, the big dumb thing. Uh, we did right before we got back on a championship track. Like, we realized how bad we screwed up and corrected enough to get back to being a good team because of the Hackstall tenure. We're like, oh, you know what? We're not going to have an emotionless college coach. You know, we are going to have a guy who's actually good at this. And they went out and got a guy who's actually good at this and proven himself at this level. It seems to be uh, working out pretty well so far. I just so think, you know like, who was available when they hired Dave Haxtell? Elaine Vino. He sure was. He needed. He was still uh, at Wait, the cottage drinking. Yeah. But here's martinis. the thing. I don't know. Uh, as, actually, as, was he? I know. Like, was he told me that he was, was oh. and I trust them. I thought he was still. I thought he had signed with uh, with the Rangers by then. Maybe not. I don't know the exact timeline, but I thought he was with the rangers in two because they 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 got a hack in 2015 right 2015 was his first year so it would have been like may of 2015 15 16 was his first year yeah yeah i feel like vino would have been with the rangers by then maybe i'm wrong because i I know he got got fired by vancouver but i thought by then he was the rangers i don't know here's the thing i love elaine vino i think obviously he would have done a better job but that team wasn't good enough he would have been fired by the time we were good enough that was not a good team. Were That's they fair. better than they were playing? Perhaps. But if Sean Couturier goes down in the first game of the playoff series, guess what they're not doing? Beating the Capitals. So I, it still happened that way. I, I, I'd i rather have the bad coach when the team was bad, get rid of them by the time we're ready to be good, and get the good coach and... That's what happened. So I'm not over Dave Haxtell. I don't think he was good. I think he was bad, and we shouldn't have hired him. But the fact that they did maybe led to other good things happening later. I don't think that getting over something means that you're, like, revisionist historying it into being good. Like, I I can say that I'm over the Haxtell thing. Like, I don't feel any active anger in my heart about Dave Haxtell at this point. Because after this season of extremely fun and good coaching – um, it's like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, good. 
we're back. My my and residual like, like I don't like what's the point of like remembering how bad it sucked. No, my residual resentment now is like I just think Sanheim and Myers should be further along in their development. Fair. Like he hindered that somewhat. That's uh, true. It's just little shit like that. And and going back to how we started the show, like we could have seen a completely different Nolan Patrick had Dave Haxtell not been the coach. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. It's, I'm it's not saying that we would have, but Dave yeah. Haxtell sucked, and that's the only coach that Nolan Patrick has had. So fuck that guy. Yeah. All right. There's only one thing I will never get over. What's that? The Mike Richards trade. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> of course, you'll never get the over only the one. Mike Richards trade. <laughs> All right. So a couple, a couple other ones I had on here. Uh, yeah, they're all one good. I didn't live, well, one I didn't live through, but one that like, it's just such a key part of Flyers history that that was actually the one I I added at Emily when she wrote the article was uh, the Leon Stickle blown call in the eighty Cup final against the Islanders. Like that's just something that like our fathers tell us about that. No, I, um, that's what I thought it was gonna. When I just clicked the article, I thought it was gonna be that. And I was like, I don't give a shit about this. Like, I, I wouldn't be born for eight more years. I don't care. But, like, that's the one. Yeah, that that's was... the one you still hear about, even though, yeah, like, I thought it was going to be that. And when it was goaltending, I was like, eh. <laughs> yeah, so there's that one, which I think would have been totally reasonable. Um, Scott Stevens. That's a big one. I won't get over that Scott, either, actually. The Scott Stevens hit on Lindros and about how that was an illegal hit. Yep. And, you know, that changed the series and that ended Lindros's career and it never should have been allowed in the first place. Yeah. When I was crowdsourcing ideas for What If Week, one of our, one of our friends said, what if Scott Stevens didn't exist? <laughs> Shit would have been different. I think that's a, different. that's a pretty good question. It is a good the question. Flyers probably win three cups. It's true because, like, not only that, but, like, the entire way that the Devils ruined hockey during that time period, maybe yeah. that doesn't exist if they don't have Scott Stevens. I yeah, Marty Brodeur's numbers aren't nearly as good. Yeah, that's that. the thing. Like, Marty Brodeur's inflated, overrated-ass numbers because he saw 11 shots a night. Like, maybe that wouldn't have been a thing. Uh, I'll tell you, I, um, and this one, uh, today in history, May 20th, the Flyers won uh, game six of the 2004 Eastern Conference Final to in overtime to force Game Seven, one of the uh, against the Lightning, one of the best games in Flyers history. Uh, Primo Gagne, it's it's just fucking amazing. Uh, one thing I'll say though is we need to get over the idea we would have beaten the Flames if they just win Game Seven, because I think Game Seven kind of demonstrates they wouldn't have because they were out of gas. They scored one goal in Game Seven. It was halfway through. It was at like ten sixteen of the second period. They had half the game to tie the score. They were unable. They put 23 shots on Hobby Bullwin in a 60-minute game. They were completely out of fucking gas. There's no way they're beating that uh, again La Flames team. They just had nothing left. That's why they didn't win Game 7 after such an incredible Game 6. They wouldn't have beaten the Flames if they somehow mustered that, that one game. They didn't have enough bodies left. They didn't have enough healthy bodies to win a seven-game series against the Western Conference champions. We wouldn't have won that series. Game seven, was a, it was, they were done. Maybe. They didn't have any gas in the tank. I know. I mean, what you're saying makes sense to me, but like also- I love that team because it was the first Flyers team in my lifetime that overachieved. They were done, and they got by on, like, heart and grit, and that was always the problem. They were a talented team that was like, oh, we'll beat the Sabres, and they fucking wouldn't. Like, 
<laughs> and that's and I just I, I get it. It was a fun run that game six today in history. Never forget it. We weren't beating that Flames team. I mean, maybe I, I'm know. with Kelly. You, you, you never know in a final. You never know what you know what guys would have pulled out for you know for that last series. Maybe there would have been more heroics. Maybe Primo would have just been so good it didn't matter. You, you just you don't know. More drugs. <laughs> more drugs. Um, another one that I had on my, on this list was uh, we need to get over losing the lottery and getting JVR instead of Patrick Kane. Really need to get over that one, guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good one. That's one that people need to get the fuck over. Just, like, not only because JVR is back with the team, like, that's that's just a whole other wrinkle, but also, like, my personal fandom would be a lot more complicated if Patrick, if Patrick King was on this team. That's fair. Like, a lot more complicated. And I don't feel like dealing with that. So JVR seems like a good boy. I've always felt bad for JVR that like I think there would have been some people that would have been annoyed with JVR regardless just because of the style of play that he plays and because he's a big guy who's soft and all that other crap but I do believe that he dealt with a lot more shit than he would have had to deal with otherwise his first go around in Philadelphia because he wasn't Patrick Kane yeah you're not wrong no 100% and like the fact that you know obviously Patrick Kane he's a he was a big name coming out, and the Flyers went 22-60 and 60 that year and didn't get the top pick. Chicago was like the fifth worst team in the league, somehow wins that lottery. I it's annoying. Like maybe, yeah, maybe that's and the thing And then he scores a Stanley Cup winning. Like, that's what it yeah. really comes down to. If he never scores that goal, it's a little different. As long as JVR becomes what he becomes, a 30-goal scorer, we can say, all right, no. Did we get the superstar of the generation? No. But we did get a pretty damn good player. They trade him for Luke Shen, all that shit. It complicates it and makes it more difficult to get over, really. I think maybe what people can't get over is that we didn't win the lottery that year. Yeah, that's more than that's more than more just than the Patrick picks. Kane. Yeah. It's the fact that we didn't win the lottery after winning 22 games. Yeah, it's hard to get over that bit of it. Yeah, I think it was uh, the uh, the evolving Wild Twins posted something like last month that was like, "Look, I understand the point of a lottery, but if a team is just so bad, just <laughs> give them the first overall pick." And the Flyers of that year absolutely qualified. It's just like if you force your fan base to suffer through like historically bad hockey, just just throw them a bone and give them the first overall yeah, pick. Please help us. I like how I like how uh, in America we're like, give them the first overall pick. And in European soccer, they're like, get the fuck out of the league. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really good point. I personally like their method much better. I just like it's a it's the exact opposite of our financial system. Like, I know, they're right? All, they're all yeah. more like socialist, but their sports are cutthroat. No, oh, yeah. And like over here. No, it's the top, you know, they're profit sharing, but yeah, it's, I just think it's a funny, it's a funny dichotomy. That is, that is wild. Anything else we need to get over? Probably like a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, there's so, uh, just as Philadelphia fans and people who live in this area, we carry grudges, we're angry, it's, it's who we are. If I wasn't angry about something, like, uh, like Jason Kelsey said, when I wake up in the morning and don't get breakfast, I'm pissed off. So, I mean, one thing that I think is uh, 
like you could put it on this list but i actually don't th- i think i don't think flyers fans should get over this because it's really freaking annoying is the fact that the flyers always seem to run into dynasties mm, that's true like like that's that's bullshit and flyers fans deserve to be mad about that like you run into the Canadians dynasty when you're trying to win three straight. And like at the time it was probably like, well, it sucks, but we won the last two cups. Okay. But that's like, that bodes for like the rest of the next 40 years, because then you run into the Islanders when they're about to win their four straight. Then you run into the Oilers twice. Then you run into the Red Wings. Then you run into the friggin' Blackhawks. Like it seems like every time they get to the final, they play against a team that is going to become one of the best teams in league history. And, like, it, it's not just the Flyers. Like, the Sixers, through their 70s and 80s run, they, you know, run into the Celtics and the Lakers. And then again in 2001, they run into the Lakers, who are about to three-peat. Uh, the Phillies in 93 run into the Blue Jays, who won their second in a row that year. Like, the F- Eagles in 04, the Patriots won their third in three years. Like, it just keeps happening in every sport. The Phillies get the Tampa Bay Rays. Guess what? They win the fucking World Series. But whenever the other teams get there, it just seems to be a dynasty. Thank you, Nick Foles, for breaking that streak. Now we have to suffer forever. Yeah, it's probably... This is it, guys. That was it. That was the one. Uh, (laughs) And that's... uh, uh, The Flyers will win the Cup this year because it'll be them... And, like, an expansion team that they decide to just to throw in the league this year when they come back. And, you know, it won't really count because there won't be a parade or anything. But we'll get this one. I saw someone tweet this question. Like, how are you going to feel if the Flyers end up going out in the first round against a team that should have been in the playoffs because of this dumb 2014 bullshit? Eh, beat them. That's how I feel. Yeah, if you're better than them, If you're better than them, beat them. That's... It's going to be... It's going to be hard for me. Like, I want hockey back. I want hockey back selfishly because my job sort of kind of depends on it. But I also want hockey back because hockey's awesome. Um, But it's going to be very hard for me to... Like, I, I already find it tough to make sweeping generalizations about teams based on how they did in the playoffs because I just think the playoffs are a crapshoot. But even as far as crapshoots go... This year, if they do have the playoffs, is going to be the most crappy of crapshoots ever. So it's going to be very, very hard for me to be like, well, this season was a failure because they lost in the first round. Like, I, I don't even know if this is going to resemble hockey when they actually play. So it's going to be very hard for me to, like, make sweeping generalizations about, like, whether this year was a failure because they didn't win a playoff series if they happen to lose to Montreal because Carey Price goes nuts after mm. he takes down the Penguins in three games and then he goes against the Flyers and, you know, Sean Gattieri gets hurt in game one because he's just not in the, the hockey shape and his leg twists in a weird way. Like, this is going to be so bonkers if they pull it off that, like, it's not as if the cup isn't going to matter, but I'm going to find it hard to blame teams for not living up to expectations when this is basically its own season. Yeah, that's the, like, as good as they were playing, as well as they were playing... It, it's a different season, and no matter how they they want to say it, like this is gonna this is this is like the World Championships. This is yeah. some ex this is some extra tournament that's gonna take place. That yes, is it the 2019-20 season? That's how it's gonna look on Wikipedia in ten years. Yeah, but everyone who lived through it is gonna know. Like, hey, this isn't 
it's not like what the, that eight-game winning streak that they were on prior to the fucking league coming to a stop has any bearing on what's about to happen when and if they do come back. If they don't win the cup this season when it renews, I, I'm going to add I'm never going to get over how this season was interrupted to that list. That's, yes, that's, that's a great it's point. Got nothing to, it's got nothing to do with the, the global pandemic. Like, obviously, this is something that is changing everybody's lives and the world as we know it. But I am never going to get over the way that they, that they were playing and then they had to stop. If they don't win the cup when this comes back. Yeah, if that's... If they do, then it's all gravy. I'm it's not going to be mad at the team. I'm just going to be more gravy, mad at maybe. the pandemic. Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not mad at the team at all. It's just like I'm never going to get over the circumstances. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm never going to get over the what if. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah, I get that too. No, I, I know right now I will never get over it. I'm still like, the season hasn't come back yet. And I'm, I'm like, I'm gearing up to be like, the Flyers were going to win the cup and now they can't. Steph's all ready to fight. Like, I'm, I'm all ready. Her demeanor right now is the most fired up I've seen her in a month. <laughs> She's already ready to fight the pandemic. I'm so ready. By not leaving my house, folks. All right, it's it's three fifty, so I assume We're like done. we've been going for a while now. So this is it. This is the end of the show. Yeah, I think we did yeah. it. All right, that is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, if you haven't already, you know the drill. Hit that subscribe button uh, wherever there are podcasts. Search Broad Street Hockey. You'll find this one. And hit subscribe, and then give us good reviews, good ratings. Yes, Tell your friends. Say nice things about us. Yeah, We're very soft subscribe people. on multiple accounts. Create dummy accounts. Really, uh, really fuck with our numbers to make them look way better than they are. Just you five should five stars and say nice things. That's yeah. it. That's all I need. <laughs> so thanks a lot. Uh, my name is Bill Matz for Charlie, for Steph and Kelly. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah.